Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. Today, we've got a special guest by the name of Dave. David Sienna. He's one of the broker managers, team leaders of a Keller Williams office. Now, you guys know we love taking some of these on the podcast because it just gives us a different perspective. David has the opportunity to chat with agents from all different companies as he's going through his day to day. And so sometimes we get secrets. We get different information from the people that are leading the brokerages different from the agents that are on the ground hustling every day. So David, welcome to the show. We're so appreciative you could make it on today. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, how long you've kind of been in the real estate game. I know you're one of the top team leaders in the nation, but what exactly does that mean? Um, and, and let our viewers hear from you. Yeah, so I've been in the real estate game and I believe my, my first day is actually when I met you on scripting a little while back, but I started off in the real estate game around three years ago as an inside sales agent. Uh, you know, the main role of being a team leader is in, I would say, increasing the profitability of every office, whether that's through increasing agent production within the office or going out and recruiting, uh, you know, top talents from different brands. Um, you know, obviously, my first role within Keller Williams was being an inside sales agent and booking appointments for, you know, top team leaders across Canada, or so I thought when I first started. Um, so essentially, I was, you know, from the first day I started in real estate, I was talking to you know agents from a variety of different levels, whether they were doing two deals a year, whether they were doing you know 50 units a year. I was you know having a lot of conversations, and that's still currently what I'm doing right now. Um, I've officially been in the the alternate team leader position role for the past two years um, across every market that I've been involved in for the past two and a half years. I've recruited over 200 agents, or have been in, involved in that specifically. And, uh, and yeah, I would say that that's really where my, my state of flow is in obviously in recruiting and chatting with agents and just understanding what they're doing in their business and obviously utilizing and talking about what we're doing here at Keller Williams in order to grow their business as well. I love it. I love it. Well, let's talk about that word business, right? Because we recently noticed that, you know, some of our guests that come on, they, they tend to all refer to um, being in real estate as their business. Yet I don't know that every agent does that. Like, are you finding that there's a difference between agents who consider this their own business versus agents that are maybe here for, you know, the freedom, the flexibility, and, uh, you know, just to, just to sell a handful of homes? Yeah, I don't know if there's such thing as freedom, whether you're a team leader, whether you're a, uh, a, real, a real estate agent, um, unless you do have a business. And I know I, I we talked about this on you know some of our meetings in the past, but every single agent that we talk to, because you obviously are, are you know current, always talking to top agents in uh, across Canada and the US as well. And I feel like every single realtor out there has the misconception that they own a business. So Robert Kiyosaki, I believe it's not only in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but Cashflow Quadrants, amongst other literature he has. He talks about how you know, realistically, in order to have a business, you have systems and models and people working for you where you're not necessarily attached to the bottom line or the outcome. 
Now, when we talk to, you know, like, you know, obviously every month is different, but on a good month, I'll talk to anywhere between 60 to 75 agents and have meetings with that amount of agents on a monthly basis. And I would say less than 1% actually have proven systems and models in place where they have the leverage in their world to really step out, go on vacation and, and obviously take a little bit of a step back where they have a business and a predictable outcome at the end of the day. Interesting. Interesting. Let's pick, let's pick that apart a little bit. So, so you're saying most agents say they, they think they have a business and you're saying that, you know, less than 1% actually do tell, tell me what you're seeing there that, that separates them. Is it, is it the models of the systems? Like what are you seeing? That's the difference between your standard agent that thinks they have a business and the people that actually do. I would say that it starts off with the knowledge of uh, just being better informed of what a what the definition of a business actually is, because whether I'm talking to a brand new agent who's never done a deal in their life, uh, who's currently even maybe doing real estate part time, or whether it's an agent who's selling, you know, 10 to 15 homes a, a year, because I feel like that's kind of the sweet spot of the agents that I'm meeting with mostly on a on a month to month basis. And, um, you know, realistically, we feel like everybody refers to it, oh, as I'm an independent contractor, I have a business in place. I thought that that's what, you know, I thought every person and every individual in real estate had a business as well, until I learned about realistically the millionaire real estate agent book and the cash flow quadrant, um, you know, from Robert Kiyosaki's books and the literature. So really what Robert Kiyosaki, you know, talks about at a high level, and before we even dig into the systems and models, just to go back on the definitions, Robert Kiyosaki discusses how there is four quadrants in regards to earning income. He talks about how on the left-hand side of the quadrants, there is employee and self-employed, where 95% of the world's population lands, but only 5% of the wealth. On the other side, he digs into what a business owner is and what a investor is. And obviously the fact that only 5% of individuals or employees or workers are on that side and only, uh, you know, obviously 95% of the wealth as well. So when we dig into business owner more specifically and, and obviously being self-employed, he refers to self-employed being the fact that, you know, you're working constantly for your money. You know, you need to go on showings, you need to constantly lead generate, you need to, you are the business, you can't go on vacation without your business taking a hit or your quote unquote business or income taking a hit. Uh, Robert kind of digs a little bit deeper into talking about how if you're a business owner, you have enough leverage in your world where you're still earning income, whether or not you're doing the day-to-day -day activities. So yeah. from digging into a realtor and kind of digging into what, like the, realtors that I'm talking to on a day-to-day, -day, some of the top realtors specifically in Kitchener-Waterloo, I would argue, don't have any systems or models or leverage to actually fully step out. Um, and, and a lot of them are very open about how they, whenever they do step out of the business for to take a vacation, their business takes a massive hit. Yeah, so they're, they're really falling into that self-employed quadrant, thinking that they're a business owner, but they haven't really made the leap over to the business owner side of things yet. Yeah, and I feel like we we both know agents within Keller Williams that have completely sold their business. And I feel like the only way that they were actually able to sell their business was they did have a predictable outcome that they were getting every year, regardless of the amount of effort or activities that they were doing inside of their business. Right, right, right. I got you. So, you know, we get we get it a lot, Neil. I, I know I've said it to you before as well. You know, you chose to go down the path of recruiting and bringing agents into the business versus the path of actually selling the houses. No real difference in the job, though. I mean, you're on the phones, you're meeting, you're taking, you're doing all the same stuff. What are you noticing as like 
you know, agents that make it and agents that don't make it. What do you think is like the one, or, or maybe you got more than one? I don't know. What do you? What are the differences you see between the two sides? I think that a lot of people might turn off the podcast after saying this, but um, I think taking extreme ownership. Okay. Uh, individuals that aren't in that, um, you know, I, I feel like in the book 10X by Grant Cardone, he talks about the four different levels of activities that individuals are doing. He talks about how, and, uh, you know, not to give away the whole book or the whole literature, but I love how he talks about, and I might butcher this a little bit. He talks about how individuals are either, you know, not doing anything. They say they're doing stuff, but they're really not doing anything. And they're really taking that victim mentality. The second activity is, you know, they've com they've committed to doing a task. They've committed to door knocking, to cold calling, to doing these certain activities. And then they're retreating once they find out that they're, they don't have the skills or the knowledge in order to do so. The, the third item that he goes on is obviously being average. Everybody's aim, aiming for being average. They're really not going above and beyond. And at the end of the day, when the market does shift, they get out of the business. And he talks about the fourth group, which is obviously, we know that the agents who are making it, who are taking massive actions. Like we both know that, you know, your thoughts and actions are the reasons that you are where you are. Therefore, it really kind of comes down to why don't you why aren't you thinking a lot bigger than you currently are why aren't you putting down the roadblocks in order to, to think quote unquote 10x as grant would say so i feel like with meeting the agents that we're meeting uh the individuals who want average which is 90 percent of the agents i feel like everywhere you go they only want average and that's really why they're starting to, to get out of the business at such a high rate right now wow wow so so we're starting to see i mean we, we get asked that question all the time you're on the front lines of this are we starting to see agents start to hang it up? Like, is that, is that really, and again, depending on when you're listening to this, just so you know, we've talked about this before. We're in that tough market in Canada. This is post COVID 2023 interest rates are on the hike. Sales are down, volumes down, pricings are down. And we are seeing this. Nobody wants to use that recession word, but we're definitely feeling the pinch in real estate. So, you know, we know stateside, we're hearing it, you know, the great retirement, some of the some of the different things that we've heard we're hearing you know 30 percent of realtors are forecasted <clears throat> don't know if that'll happen they are forecasted to potentially leave the business maybe in some areas up to 50 percent of realtors looking at leaving the business so i just wanted to preface that before i ask this question we haven't quite seen it yet here in canada but that is the the metric that we're hearing is that you know agents are starting to either park the license go get a job, maybe they keep their license, but they're certainly not transactional. And I think th there was a crazy stat out the other day, it was like less than 35% of agents have done a deal in this calendar year. So now you know what we're talking about. You guys all are, are caught up. You're, you're, you're in it now with us. This isn't, you know, the roses and sunshine part when we first started the podcast where everyone was just making a ton of money. This is one of the hardest markets we've ever seen. And so, David, back to that question, are you starting to see agents hang it up? Well, we look at the numbers like I, I feel like not every Tuesday when we meet, but pretty consistently uh, to dig into that a little bit deeper on our small board in Kitchener-Waterloo, less than 650 agents have done a deal year to date in the region, which is pretty mind blowing. Uh, to take it a step further as well, individuals who are doing like the average agent on our board does 2.7 deals a year when the market was hot. Um, right now, pause, 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 pause. Okay, you say the average agent does 2.7 deals a year. It, that was when the market was hot, by the way. Wow, wow. So wow. take it a step further. So when you look at people that are doing 10 deals or above, they're in the top, say, five percent of agents, agents, which is pretty 
I would say pathetic a little bit. And then when you take it down to uh, another standard, those same agents, I, I want to, I, I don't know the exact number of it, but you'd be very surprised with the amount of individuals that did 10 to 15 deals last year that still are yet to do a transaction when the market shifted. So it's, it's pretty, it's, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, everyone's got situations going on, but with the trends and the amount of individuals that aren't even rating deals, like it's pretty crazy. Well, and, and there's this, this shift in the industry, right? I mean, I, you know, we, we called the podcast what we did for a reason. We got the sign behind us on the wall here. You know, we know that you got to work hard to make it in this industry. Like that, that has been established. There is no question about it. The, the days of just coming in and your phone just going to ring. You heard it, you know, 2.7 deals for agents in one of the best markets we've ever seen. Only, a, can only imagine what that's going to look like going forward. But, you know, you get a lot of people talking about the hustle culture, right? You know, get out of the hustle culture. You don't be working that hard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're probably, like I said, we're probably going to make some people mad. I'm not trying to make anybody mad or offend anybody. But I found it really interesting, you know, at, at the last seminar we attended, um, you know, we were in Austin, Texas for Mega Camp, And one of the things that was being spoken about was, you know, the hustle versus happy mentality. And we're seeing that a lot of people are embracing the happiness. I did this poll the other day on, on my social media. And I said, you know, hustle, happy, or I'm happiest when I'm hustling. And believe it or not, that I'm happiest when I'm hustling was the one that won on that day on that poll. I found that really interesting. So, I mean, you know, what's that conversation like? Are you finding that agents are burnt out? Are they tired? Has it just been too long of a grind for them to really continue to push at that pace? Or, or what are you hearing? I mean, first and foremost, failure comes when you're not doing enough action. So I feel like in order to be, yeah, like you kind of hit the nail on the head in order to be uh, you know, happy, you have to hustle. But when we're talking to agents, and I don't know if this is just a, a brokerage trend, but most, if not 99% of brokerages out there, they don't stress lead generation, and they don't stress, they, they, they discuss a lot about lead receiving, you know, loving on your sphere, but not necessarily lead generating. So when I think of hustling, I'm thinking of, you know, going after the next deal, you know, really doing a mass amount of action in order to attain your goals. And I feel like a lot of individuals are either, you know, 99% of individuals out there aren't really hustling or they're doing a lot of activities. You know, you, we all see the same realtors that are posting 50 times a day on social media, but we know that aren't selling a home right? Like, what are you, what are you doing to hustle? Like, where are your activities actually coming from? Where, like, at the end of the day, how are you writing deals? So I feel like at the end of the day, a lot of agents are more or less waiting for this ship to pass. And like I mentioned before, like, uh, and I don't know if I actually mentioned this, because we went down one rabbit hole, but a lot of agents are getting out of the business. You know, those same agents that were doing 10 deals a year last year are now not you know, not renewing their licenses or they're putting everything on hold. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, you have a lot of Keller agents, you have a lot of agents internationally that where the average, they have to sell 30 homes a year to make a, like, you know what I mean? That to net 150 K like, there's a lot of different perceptions or perspective, I guess, in regards to that specifically. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you've got, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there where, it's like, are you, what are the activities you're doing? Are you, are you hustling or are you making busy work? And, and if you're making busy work, it's going to feel like the tires are just spinning over and over and over again. And you're not actually moving forward in any direction. You use that word lead generation, you know, it, it's, 
It's got that dirty taste to it, that dirty feel to it. Business we development. We're not allowed to call that. <laughs> we're not allowed to call it lead generation. We only say business development now. <laughs> yeah, we're saying business development. You know, people people hate that word, right? You, 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 <laughs> they lead gen and they picture, you know, I'm stuck in an office, I got a headset on, and I got to make eight hours of calls just to go meet somebody. Yes, that's one form of lead generation. But if you actually pick it apart, there are so many different ways that you can generate business for, you know, for yourself, for your family or for your team, but, but you're right, business development. And I think, I think when you say it, you know, a lot of agents, what are they doing? Right? Like, like you can spend, and, and it's something that I heard one of, one of the leaders say to me recently, he said, you know, if, if I told anybody, I'd give them hundred K for three hours of work a day, they'd all do it. Right. Whether it was flipping burgers, cutting grass or whatever it is, you know, we, we saw how excited everybody in the industry got when UPS said, you know, now their drivers are all going to make six figures. And it like took the Internet by storm and everyone was blown away. You know, these guys are in these trucks, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day. They're driving, smelling fumes, you know, dealing with dogs, chasing them, all this stuff all day long. And everyone was so excited. And you know, you hear that if you put in three hours a day of, of solid lead generation, where you're talking to people, you're meeting people, you're networking, whatever it is, the thing that you're going to choose to do for your time. If you did that every day, five days a week, maybe throw in the occasional Saturday, Sunday in there as well, you could easily make a hundred to $200,000 in this industry. And that's what I find really, really interesting is then, you, you know, you get the the, the tired and the burnt out and everything else. And I think you kind of mentioned it. It's like, are you doing the things that are going to actually generate you business? You know, I I've been, I've heard it so much, you know, we, we, we joke about it all the time where, you know, the, the HGTV look, right. It gives you this false sense of what real estate's going to be. And I, like I said, you've seen a lot of agents come and a lot of agents go is there a difference in the mindset, the conversation, or is it just simply some are doing the right things and some aren't? Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I mean, regardless of the brand that the individuals are with, uh, the people that are making the calls, loving on their database, doing business development and lead generation, like, because obviously we know agents from every single brand and regardless of the company they're with, if they're doing the correct act, the only difference between the companies is that Keller Williams preaches doing the lead generation activities, other agents who, you know, there's a lot of other agents from a lot of different brands who are, are coming across these activities and they're doing them. I think that is the biggest difference is the fact that, you know, they're really taking extreme ownership and extreme accountability of doing specific activities and really just doing whatever it takes rather than just having that HGTV look. You know, it's, it's so funny, right? And, and when I started, it was like, you know, I, I remember my first, my first ever broker and I was like, you know, can't really figure this real estate thing out. I was in like a few months, hadn't done anything. Keep it in mind, I, I was rookie of the year that year. So eventually I did kind of figure it out. But, you know, at the time they they literally said to me, hey, go to BMW and go lease the most expensive car you can't afford. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. Like I'm broke. It's like, this will make you even broker. And one of two things will happen is you'll figure out what you need to do to go make money. Or you're going to leave the industry and go get a job to pay for that that vehicle. And I thought this was such terrible, terrible advice at the time. I never, ever did it. I never went and did it. But we see it all the time, right? You know, they've been in the business for 30 days, 60 days. All of a sudden, they got that brand new white BMW rolling. We see it in the memes. We see it on, you know, the, the actually agents and, and all these other meme sites out there. But it's a legit thing, right? Like like people worry about the, the image they put out there. 
before they worry about doing the activities that are going to lead them to business. It's crazy to me. We all know a ton of uh, realtors that turn bottle, bottle girls overnight, right? <laughs> That one's gonna get probably get us in trouble for that one too, right? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm exaggerating, right? That's a meme yeah. from that page, but like we we see a ton of individuals that are you know picking up random random jobs in order to just keep their license and keep that look, right? Well, I mean, and and if you had to trend it, I mean, what are you seeing in the industry? Is it gonna get any easier? Is it gonna get harder? Like, what are you seeing? Like, we get asked this question all the time. Like, where's real estate headed? you have that unique ability because you're talking to everybody from all companies. What are you hearing? What do you, what do you see up there? I mean, it, I think it's going to be different based on each market because I know, for example, in Kingston right now, they're transacting at a much higher level than we are here. The, the average home price is just so much lower that regardless of the interest rates, people are making a lot of moves. And we obviously know individuals in that market specifically, just looking at the appointments we're booking on the, on the team side of stuff. Um, the appointments have increased in Kingston and surrounding areas. Um, although we're still seeing that when the average home price is 800 K plus everywhere else, obviously I might be exaggerating a bit with the numbers. We're still seeing results going lower and lower and lower as the days are passing on. And I, I think that I don't have a crystal ball. I, I know you don't have a crystal ball either, but regardless, I think that it's going to continue to get harder before it gets easier. I would second that. I would second that. I don't see this letting up anytime soon. I mean, I started in a down market and it was a grind, right? The first five years of my career was was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And it never got any easier. Um, even when the market got easier, I found that the competition went up and, and it, it really made it actually harder because all of a sudden the market got good and then everybody got their license again. <laughs> <laughs> so it just kept I was going to say, is it ever really easier? Or is it just like at the end of the day, is it ever actually easier? No, like, I've, so. seen, I've only seen the market get super, super. I came in to real estate when the market was super hot, when every agent was doing really well, where their businesses were up, quote unquote, 30 percent. But they didn't acknowledge that it wasn't how great they were. They It was because of how you know good the market was. And now that we're seeing it the other way. There's also, it, it's kind of like that joke where, um, you know, if an agent does really good at, at a brokerage, it's because of the stuff they did. If they do really bad, it's only the brokerage's fault. And, that, and that's kind of like, you know, that can go for t school teachers, that can go for anything with people taking ownership. Nobody takes ownership. So I would say the same thing is going to happen when realtors' businesses, all the market's brutal. That's yeah. a bad, that's a really bad excuse. Take ownership of it. What are you going to do to to change that up, right? You know, that, that concept of extreme ownership is, is I don't know that most people grasp it. I don't know that most people really have an understanding of it. Uh, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to explain how I took it because it's, it's, so first of all, it's a book written by Jaco, former military man. He talks about, you know, whatever happens in your life, good, bad, or otherwise is about you, right? You got to sit there and own it. And, and so, you know, the example that I always use when I'm teaching or coaching is I'll say to say to someone, you know, who's ever been rear-ended, right? And, and usually everybody gets a hand up, someone's bumped your car, someone's whatever, even if it's parked and you weren't in it, every single person that owns a car has someone ding their car at some point with a door with something. And, you know, I always say, you know, whose fault is that? And everybody says, well, you know, it's that person. They hit me or they ding me or they did that, they did that. And the concept of extreme ownership is literally owning that moment in that, you know, I remember getting rear-ended. I was uh, I was driving, sitting at the bottom of a hill, and uh, my my car at the time had only been like two weeks old, 
First time I'd ever gotten a new car. I was so jacked. I was so excited. I'm sitting at the bottom of the hill and I'm watching. It's winter and I'm watching this guy come down the hill and I'm like, this guy's not slowing down. He's not stopping. He's going to nail me. <laughs> sure as hell, he, he, he rear ends me. And, you know, I step out and I do what everybody else does. You know, hands are in the air. What the hell? Da, da, da. And, uh, and then I had a moment of clarity. I was like, you know, this guy couldn't help it. Not his fault. Middle of winter. Maybe he could have. Maybe he couldn't have. But then I thought of extreme ownership. And I thought, you know what? Who put themselves there that day, right? I took that route. I drove that street. I, I stopped at the bottom of that hill. I saw him come in. I didn't even change lanes, which I could have. And, and there's so much else that could have happened. I could have taken a day. You could have left the house five minutes earlier, five minutes later. You could have been going two kilometers faster to avoid the red light back there. There's Yeah, I love that. You know what I mean? There's, there's a million things that I could have done that could have changed the outcome that day for me. So, so yeah, eventually I owned it. I said, Hey, you know what? Yes. This person has responsibility in this and that's a whole different conversation than, than ownership, right? Yes. That person did hit me. They've got some responsibility in this. They, they chose to drive fast, whatever it is, they have their responsibility in it, but I'm going to own mine. And the second that I found that I started owning my responsibility in it, the ownership game changed, right? All of a sudden there's just so much less to be mad about. There's so much less to be blame blaming and, and stressed out about and everything else. You just own your part in whatever it is that happens in your life and then move on. Tomorrow's a new day. Today's a new day. Later today, whatever. Tomorrow's a new minute. And you just next, right? So just for those of you listening who haven't heard that concept before, don't know what that's like, grab that book, Jocko. I forget Jocko's last name, um, but it's, it's called Extreme Ownership. I'm looking at my desk, Willink. There you go, Jocko Willing, and uh, great book, great read, and it'll help you take control of your life. But you know, as as we keep going down down this path, David, you know, like you mentioned, you're talking to all these different types of agents, meeting all kinds. You mentioned the word systems and models. Now, now that means something different to everybody. What does that mean to you when you use the terminology systems and models? I feel like systems and models, when I think of that, and like you mentioned, it's probably different to everybody. I think of predictability. So systems and models, I think of predictability. How am I going to have predictable outcomes? How, I, how am I going to have a predictable income, predictable, you know, like I, essentially I just think of systems and models. I think of something that's going to be so predictable that I'm not ever guessing at what I'm doing. I got you. So for example, system might give me leverage. It might give me leads. It might, you know, help me uh, build an organizational chart. And though that literally dives right into the MREA, but the model really discusses, it gives me a clear idea of predictability. I got you. You know, that's, that's interesting that they use that word predictability, right? Because people say there's nothing. We even said it today, right? We don't have a crystal ball. We can't predict anything, but you can scale your business. And, and I think, you know, when, when people hear that word models or systems or whatever, think, think of like McDonald's, think of Starbucks, right? Every single one of those have proven models and systems. I think that word proven has to get added. You can follow models and systems. And if none of them are proven, you're going to get the I, same. I think it kind of goes back to just the, the idea of being average versus extraordinary. Because when we think about people, a lot of people don't think they need systems and models. And look at all the agents getting out of the business. I, and that's like a full circle moment. I don't know if that was a far-fetched connection there, but that's where my brain goes to the fact that a lot of agents on the market was hot. And we were talking about, well, do you want to ship proof your business when they're having the best year of their lives? Now they're, they're all exiting the business or getting part-time jobs to fund real estate until the market's good again. So it's, it's one of those things where I feel like 
you know, we were, we, we were talking about the shift while the market was super, super hot because we were asking if agents wanted to take advantage to have shift-proof businesses by implementing systems and models, and, and now the same agents are exiting. It's it's so crazy you said that, right? Like, I, I mean, you, you can't, if you're listening at home, you're not be able to see it. I just held up the, the shift book written by our founder, Gary Keller. And, uh, you know, I talk about that book all the time. And David, you're right. Like, I remember sitting in, you know, 2021 and, and hosting this class, you know, 12 sessions um, by myself. And most days, less than two agents would show up because you're right. The market was incredible. And nobody was thinking about a shift. Nobody was thinking about a downturn. Like people were just making money hand over fist. And I remember saying to everybody going, you know, hey, what goes up must come down. All right. The market is always shifting. It's either shifting up or shifting down. But I started building our team in, in a shift. And I remember I remember listening to, um, I think it was Gary Keller and uh, it might've been Jason Abrams at the time. And Gary said, listen, at some point, at some point, the good times are going to end. Like there's, there's just an inevitability to it. The good times have to end at some point because it's real estate. It's cyclical. It goes up. It goes down. Each time is better when it's up. Each time is worse when it's down. Like it, it just continue to happen. But he specifically said, anything you're doing in real estate, treat it as if you're always in a down market. Don't ever treat it like you're in a good market. Don't build systems for a good market. Don't build structures for a good market. Build everything that you have for when the market is not good. And I found that really, really interesting. I remember coming back and talking to a few of our team members and saying, okay, guys, we're going to start doing all this stuff. And they were like, why? The market's good. We don't have to do any of that. We don't have to do any of this. Yet, you know, the agents that I coach and the agents that we continue to work with are continuing to move their businesses forward. Because now that the shift's here, they already know how to do everything. So I think that that was cool that you brought that up um, and, and made note of that. But, you know, is there one of the things that has come up quite a bit as we've talked to lots of agents on the show is, you know, I'm asking them about their 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 superpower, right? Like, what's that secret? What's that thing? Um, you know, we had one agent, she was on recently, we just talked about geo farming, you know, she talked about knocking on doors every single day. We've had other agents talk about, you know, leveraging marketing, right? They're on billboards, they're doing all that stuff and spending tons of cash to do it. We've had all sorts of different things. Is there anything new? Like, have you heard, you know, in all your travels, talking to all these agents, does anybody have a new secret or a new way of generating client business? No, <laughs> not, not, I, like, not that I've heard. Maybe they haven't been as open with me, but uh, I'm going to say a hard no on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hesitation there whatsoever. Just uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> you know, every sales book you read, it's really the, like, obviously sales has changed. And we, we talked about this a few times where before you were holding out information on individuals to now you have to give information. You have to provide so much value before you get, whether you're selling a home or whether you're trying to sign a BRA or sign a listing or, or recruit an agent, we need to provide so much more value to get in there. But all the activities to be able to even provide that value, it's all pretty much the same where if we don't get contacts, then we're not, or if we don't have contacts and have conversations, uh, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to talk about geo farming. I'm not going to talk about, you know, open houses and doing that fun kind of stuff. Cause I'm not actively doing any of, the, of those activities, but I haven't heard anything original or unique that individuals are doing on a day to day. You know, obviously we hear about 
individuals leveraging social media and FISBOs and expireds in the States and all those fun types of activities. But is anything really new or have people already been doing that for the past, you know, realistically since the social media day and age? Even at the conference we were at, we were learning about individuals who gained 100,000 followers in less than 30 days. But is that really new or are we just teaching that, uh, you know, like, I don't think, like, even that conference, as good as it was, I don't think I picked up on anything new. You know, I, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I forget who it was. It might have been... Um might have been Steve Gill. He's one of Tony Robbins' top coaches. And he talked about that. He's like, you know, he's coaching this guy. And this guy kept asking him about systems, systems, systems every day, right? Like, give me a new system. Give me a new thing, right? And he said, listen, I can give you all the systems. But here's the reality. They haven't changed. There's nothing new. The systems are the same. Same way to sell a house as you used to sell a house. You're just choosing whether or not you're going to follow the system or do the work, so to speak, to get there. And I found that really, really eye-opening because... They're right. I mean, business hasn't changed, right? The business models haven't evolved per se in the last 50, 60 years. The systems and the models are the same. People are executing them differently, but the core principles are still the same, right? You got to have a pipeline of leads coming in. However, you're going to generate that. You have to service and talk to them, add value. Like you mentioned, you talk about that adding value piece. You got to add value in the middle, and then at the bottom of the funnel comes out the transaction. There's nothing new, folks. <laughs> so if you're listening every every month, if you're listening every week, you keep looking for that secret formula. By now, you know, we're 50, 60 episodes into this thing. By now, you have to have known that it is it is purely getting in front of people and having the conversations. I, I was gonna say the same thing, even in regards to like scripting or dialogue. Like when we first started working together, I'm like, oh, what's the what's the script we're using? And and then I you gave me this book called Fanatical Prospecting, where it said it doesn't matter if you're uneducated, if you, you know, if you do this and if you do that, or if you're not good looking, if you're ugly, yada, 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 if you have no charisma, if you ask the question, eventually you're gonna get some traction. So I, I think that that's that's pretty like it, it's just so like it's so funny. It goes full circle. Like that was the first week week of us working together. He gave me that book, and uh, you're like, don't ask me this question again. Read this book and, uh, and don't ask about again because so. <laughs> at the end of the day it doesn't matter right go have conversations with people go be real go talk to them you know if, if they're willing to have a conversation with you provide value to their lives and and then you can ask for what you want right i think most people's problem is they just they want to ask 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 and take 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 and they don't provide any value to people and then they wonder why nobody calls them back or nobody cares what they're doing so you're not actually adding any value to their lives whatsoever. So I'm glad you brought that up. We hear that all the time. Last question of the day. I know you're a busy guy. You got stuff to do. We always ask this question. We say, you know, if there's something you could tell all our listeners, what's the one thing that everybody listening has to hear about, whether it's their business, whether it's recruiting, whether it's growing a team or whatever it is. I know you coach tons of different agents. What's the one thing that you're telling everybody right now that they need to know? Uh, I would say up, and I think that whether you whether we're in a down market or an up market, I would say just you know always prepare for things to to be worse than they are, and you know have that extra call, you know do that extra activity, and and really you know pray for the best, prepare for the prepare for the worst, pray for the best type of scenario. I think that's probably the best thing, and just keeping in line with the conversation we've had with the shift in the market, like you know always prepare that things are going to be worse than they are, yeah. you know never, and I feel like. 
you know, when we break down our numbers, even on the economic model, not to dig into this too much, but if we break down the numbers on the economic model and everybody's super, super conservative, I even feel like we should take a step back and even be even more conservative and really try to elaborate on the fact that things aren't going to go the way that they they're going to go. You know, I love that. I love that. And and shout out to Ed Milet. Um, you know, he talks about the power of one more, right? I mean, that, that was such a pivotal book for me to read this year where you said it, right? Like push yourself just a little bit more, 1% more every day, make one more call, knock one more door, call one more person in your database who knows you, create one more social media content, and then reach out to one more person. Like, don't give up. Don't give up, right? Like it's hard. It's not meant to be easy. It's not gonna be easy. But you're hearing from one of the one of the greatest in the recruiting game right now. And he's seeing the same things. You just keep going. There's a difference between agents that make it and don't. And it's just which are the ones that are willing to do the work. David, thank you for coming on the show today. We're so appreciative of you. If someone wants to talk to you about recruiting or about looking at other companies, how can they get a hold of you? Is Instagram the best? Facebook the best? How do we get a hold of you? Yeah, well, my my Instagram is david.siena. Um, I think, yeah, david.siena. I think that's it. And I feel like my email is not really going to change anytime soon. So my email is uh, my first dot last name at kw.com. I think those yeah. are the best. Well, and if you're spelling it out, guys, Sienna is one N. Don't make the mistake. I still write it with two N's. Drives David crazy. One N <laughs> for Sienna. Um, so reach out. You got any questions about the industry? You got any questions about what, what our broker managers, what the, the leaders of this industry are seeing is a great guy to talk to. He's got a ton of information. Guys, it's been the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. Again, we are on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere as well. Feel free to look us up um, and reach out. If you have any questions, we'd love to have you on the show. David, again, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here today, my friend. And Dude, that was awesome.